Hello everyone, and welcome to Everyday Revolutions. A podcast focused on everyday activism and radical politics in Glasgow and Scotland. We are your hosts, William and Fraser. For more information on the podcast episodes and for more resources, check the show notes or visit our website at everydayrevolutions.co.uk. Welcome to the first ever episode of Everyday Revolutions. How are you doing today, Fraser? I'm well, yeah. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. I'm very excited to be recording this and uh, for some of the interviews that are coming up over the next few days that we'll release in the coming weeks. But just to start off with, I thought it would be good that we do an introduction podcast to talk about ourselves, how we got involved in politics and how we came to take the stances and views that we do currently, really. So do you want to maybe start and just give us a little introduction to yourself and how you came to a place of being engaged with politics and uh, with activism. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it was very much a slow burn. (laughs) I'd always been interested in politics, kept abreast of the news and so on. And as soon as I got to uni age 17, 18 was when I began, I think, to take politics a bit more seriously. At that point, we were already well into austerity after a couple of years of the Conservatives taking over in 2010. So very much taking a a strong disliking to everything that had started to happen. I actually took politics as an elective during my uni years, just around the time where the conversation around Scottish independence was really getting into the sort of main public focus. And that was the point where I really became politically active, I guess you would say. Started attending protests and marches around that point. After that, obviously, we had another pretty significant political event being Brexit, and I was staunchly (laughs) against exiting the European Union, as most people in Scotland and in Glasgow were. So from then on, we became quite a bit closer friends over the, the last few years, certainly, and attending many of the different protests became more active in terms of unionization as well where we both took a significant role in unionizing our workplace and since then yeah just attending every march and protest that i can really get my hands on yeah lots of photographs at all of those protests which is always fun um i suppose for me it's was a similar time it was at the time of the Scottish independence referendum where I really became politically aware and active for the the first time. It was actually in a modern studies class in higher that we had a debate in the class about independence and this was prior to the referendum even being announced and I had to do a debate with a member of the Scottish Youth Parliament at the time who's now a Labour councillor in North Ayrshire. And when we did that debate, I had to try and defend the position of yes for independence. It was very interesting because we took a vote at the start of the debate and then a vote at the end of the debate to see what the levels of support were. I managed to win that debate, fortunately, and would still be arguing for Scottish independence today. After that, I 
as you know, and as many people who are maybe listening to this would know from my other podcast that I've hosted previously, The Space Between, I was part of an evangelical non-denominational church that was very conservative, even though they would probably describe themselves as apolitical um, or not being political at all, really, just with uh, their focus on Jesus and religion and Christianity, and, and they would consider that a apolitical position. But in reality, they were very conservative. So that was a interesting environment to be in because for me, I ended up switching off to politics at that point and became focused on the faith that was being given by these people in, in leadership. And as I was a teenager and being influenced by that really, and find myself in a position where I was taking more conservative positions on things not because I'd thought them through in any deep or thorough way, but rather just because this was what I was being told. And at the same time that I began to question a lot of my religious beliefs at that point, I also began to question the politics that I'd been given by those in leadership within the church. And that's when I became a lot more aware of politics and got a lot more involved, a lot of different protests. I think for me, uh, a big wake-up call was the Black Lives Matter protest that happened during the pandemic in 2020. I had a lot of friends who were black through being in church who there was this mixed experience uh, for them where even in multiracial churches where there was lots of representation from different groups of people and different races there was definitely discrimination in those spaces there was a preference for white culture there was a um, prevailing sense of, of white supremacy in a lot of those spaces and some of the conversations that I had around that like some of my friends for example had always been raised with an image of a white Jesus and couldn't imagine God or Jesus or angels as being anything other than white. And that was because of the religion that they'd inherited that was, despite proclaiming to be apolitical, quite conservative and inheriting all the um, callbacks to colonialism and the empire and the Christianizing efforts of, of Europe across the world. So that was a very interesting time for all of us really to live through and then from there I have delved into study on a lot of this and I'm currently doing a theology and religious studies degree with a focus on political theology and have absolutely loved reading and diving into liberation theologies of people like James Cohn and Gustavo Gutierrez and, and others. And yeah, as you've already said, we have been involved in unionizing in our workplace, which has been a lot of fun, but a big challenge and a real wake up call to the work that's necessary for positive activism. But it's also just made me a lot more aware, I don't know if it's the case with you as well, of all the great work that's going on in Glasgow from people who are trade unionists or work in different charities or in general are like climate campaigners or lots of different things really. And I think for me, that was part of the motivation for wanting to start this podcast, but I don't know if that's the case for you as well. 
I definitely would say so. I know both for you and I, there has been a, a significant change perhaps in our, our reading habits was maybe the first thing that I noticed. And that's absolutely, as you said, BLM, the protest and all of the events leading up to it really challenged a lot of the assumptions I find myself making. And in a wider context of where I work and what my friends and family members say and do, certainly there's a lot of, and I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of introspection around that time. Um, and coming from that, realising how many groups there are around Glasgow and Scotland, as you said, even places on our doorsteps that we would have been otherwise unaware of. One of our upcoming interviews is my local Green councillor, who I was not aware of for years prior and has really jumped into the forefront of the local politics that I see happening on a day-to-day -day basis. So very much looking forward to everyone hearing that interview as well. Yeah, it's good. And if you could describe your political outlook in a sentence, what would what would you say? <laughs> I would say, fuck. Um, can we turn this? <laughs> or are we making a decision? We can, we, but now we now we need to put the explicit symbol uh, oh, with the no. podcast. So. <laughs> I would describe my politics as democratic, socialist, and intersectionalist. And when I say socialist, I mean very far to the left in terms of further than liberal. I think that we should be fostering communities that care for the people within them. And I believe that there should be a democratic responsibility from a central government as a means to enable those communities to look after the most vulnerable within them. We should not be propping up billionaires and unsure whether millionaires should exist, never mind billionaires. And in terms of the intersectionality aspect, what we've discussed, what we've looked at in the last few years and what we've experienced in the last few years has certainly taught me that there isn't one fight, there is a hundred fights, but all of those are happening together. And whatever energy I have will be put into any one of those and all of those to make sure that we are all lifted by the rising tide of radical politics. I think I would probably describe mine as eco-socialist driven by a desire for justice and peace that has been inspired by my faith and a big part of that for me has been my involvement with the Iona community which I am an associate member of as what you would refer to as an ecumenical group which just means People from lots of different denominations, whether they're Catholic, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Quaker, whatever it is, the Iona community is about a, a group of people who come together not around shared beliefs but shared concerns and, and for them it is political concerns. So stuff like Free Palestine, LGBTQ plus inclusion within the church and, and within wider society. It is about uh, nuclear disarmament and peace and the end of all wars and imperial conquests. So for, for me, that's been a major driving force over the last few years is seeing the example of people who have been doing this for literally decades, who have campaigned against the Vietnam War, against Margaret Thatcher, against all these different things that have happened over, over the last 50, 60 years and hearing some of their stories has really inspired me to go, actually, there's a lot more that I could be doing 
to foster the type of society that I would like to live in and to help foster community in my local area, uh, within my workplace, within every aspect of, of society that, that we see. And with that, I think that's why I wanted to try and start this podcast is so that we could have a focus on what's actually happening in Glasgow and our local area. There are definitely lots of decent, good podcasts talking about Scotland and Scottish politics in general that focus on questions of Scottish independence, abolishing the monarchy, the European Union, but this podcast is going to be focused mainly on local politics within Glasgow and other places within Scotland, although there probably will be discussion of these these larger topics and, and wider issues uh, overall. I think that the focus on local politics and an encouragement for people to actually get involved in, in that politics and that activism is the driving force behind this. I definitely think that, as has been the case for myself, and I think I can speak for you too, where it might be easier to find yourself in a larger political spectrum, it's much harder to understand how to take action on a measurable scale when it comes to the topics like Scottish independence, obviously. You can go to a rally, but the humdrum of that rapidly becomes things like writing letters to your MP, advocating for the topics you're interested in and for a lot of people who don't necessarily have the time or the capability to do that that may not be something that's possible whereas for local politics it's all around us it's communities it's groups that you can take part in it's the every day of the running of your life and it does make material change and material difference to living conditions for the place that you find yourself so there is a lot that you can do um and a, a lot that doesn't take a lot of time and a lot of effort, which I think is really local politics can and should be for everyone. Yeah, I think a, a great example is some of the new cycling infrastructure in, in Glasgow. It's something that I use almost every day, and that is something that is an environmental policy that is, is necessary. And although there is cross-party support in Glasgow City Council for the increased cycling infrastructure obviously a lot of that is driven by the the scottish green party so seeing those actual changes to my daily commute has a massive impact uh, and the fact that every time that i go on there i seem to see see more people who are utilizing it and having a different lifestyle and way of living because of the actions of local politics and coming up just this week, I believe, is the, the introduction of the low emission zone in Glasgow, which again is going to hopefully improve air quality. Now, it doesn't mean there's there's not problems or, or things that could be improved with the, the policy itself, but it is something that is, is moving towards a cleaner, uh, more sustainable and more environmentally conscious city. So yeah, you're totally right. It had, local politics has an impact on our everyday, on the spaces that we use to travel, to get to work, to meet with friends, to spend time with family. All these things are affected by local politics and uh, that's why I think it's important that we have a focus on it. I think you've hit the nail on the head as well when it comes to things like the low emission zone and for other aspects of life around the city. 
if you asked anyone in Glasgow what can be improved, what can be fixed, immediately you would have a list off the top of people's heads that are 10, 15, maybe 100 items long. And I think the the really wonderful thing about local politics is that ability to say we are focused on this at the moment. Um, we're not saying that this is the be all and end all of any change, but once we've got this done, we're on to number two. There are people who have been working away for 20, 30 plus years who have lived their lives and dutifully um, for the people of Glasgow try to make as many improvements as possible over their careers and I think being given the opportunity for us is really important to me to be able to ask questions of all these people, find out a lot about them, but also thank them for what they've done. You know, there's a lot of amazing contributions that have happened over um, my lifetime, certainly, and um, far longer beyond that. People who do give up a portion of their, what can only assume is not always a a pleasant job uh, being public facing to make positive change around Glasgow. Yeah, and I don't think it's just councillors as well and that's that's part of the focus of of the podcast is looking at activism from charities and and non-profits and just activist groups across scotland and the work that they're doing um because it has as we've already said a massive impact on our lives every day when i walk the the dog i walk past the old changing rooms and Queen's Park Recreational Ground and just recently an organisation called South Seeds has taken that over and they do a lot of work around community gardening and shared space. They have a a shared tool library but organisations like that are really vital for fostering radical politics in local areas because that's what creates community is those shared spaces that are beyond our home and beyond our work and when we create those together and especially when they're helping to uh, provide things like food or education or uh, basic necessities for those who are without in society those are the things that will help to win people over to a more radical point of view on things and realizing that a lot of what we hear in the media around the main discourse on politics that that we see about Westminster, about Hollywood uh, and elsewhere is often just not connected to the daily lives of people. And it's, it's usually hyperbolic, it's usually detached. And so connecting with those sorts of organizations is important in fostering that radical politics and everyday activism. When you use the term radical, what do you mean by that? When I use the term radical, I am referring to a type of politics that goes beyond just voting or participating in the electoral system because I think when a lot of people think about politics they think oh I go to vote once every four or five years or in local politics once every few years and I decide which political party I'm going to be a part of and that is going to be the definition of my politics but I think a radical politics goes beyond just party alliances and uh, party points of view and beyond the electoral system to a type of politics which is more actively engaged 
in creating community and fostering self-sustaining communities that the like mutual aid for example that's how i would define radical politics as a politics that goes beyond what we consider the the normal or basic expected political engagement of just voting or potentially even engaging with a, a political party although i am a member of one that doesn't mean i agree with all of their stances or, or points of view on things nor does that mean that i think that they always get things right um and I think it's necessary to acknowledge that and to cooperate with people in your area. Um, because I think that if we were to try divide our communities into what political party you support, like we're not going to get anywhere and making real change in people's lives. So that's why I think it's important to move beyond that. What about you? How would you describe it? Funnily enough, a very similar answer. I think the radical part for me and actually my follow-up for you was in a time where for such an almost unimaginable period of time the main party in power in the UK has basically no votes from Scotland or no votes from Glasgow. It's a very, very different political ideology that's had in different parts of the UK and Scotland being a much more socialist country by nature. My biggest fear is that the everyday person will have the attitude of my vote doesn't matter because it doesn't really matter what follows that because whether it's because the Tories will always be in power and their interests do not align with the interests of Scotland, whether it is because I am one vote and the SNP always win in Scotland or whatever that because is, the idea that an individual has no say in the way that the place that they live functions is so wrong on just a fundamental level the fact that that's ingrained almost in scotland as a country i find really worrying and so the radical part for me is to almost try my best to inspire that activism in whatever means that is necessary it doesn't really have to be the left-leaning like you don't need to follow my politics um but if you are more involved if you speak your mind if you are in any way more politically engaged after any kind of interaction then that's that's radical politics to me it's making a difference by not changing hearts and minds but by inspiring the everyday actions that we can all take to become more involved in the politics that we find around ourselves yeah i'd have to disagree with your description of of scotland as a more socialist country by nature i think that potentially the recent snp leadership elections would disprove that i i would maybe say that there's definitely more liberal tendencies within Scotland and it's definitely a different type of nationalism from British nationalism but that's not to say there's not nasty or right-wing elements to, to that. That is very true however my counterpoint would be 
there is a higher rate of tax, there is a better functioning NHS on the social aspects and social welfare aspects. For instance, the most recent um, policy in terms of the recycling scheme, the deposit scheme that is about to be introduced, the glass being taken off of it by the UK versus it being in the Welsh and it being in Scotland's uh, legislation. There are differences to the, the, the way that those countries run. There are always elements that are right-wing and further to the right than you or I potentially would like them to be, but I don't think Scotland as a country leans that much further to the right, um, and it certainly is more socially conscious and socially aware as a country, I think, than perhaps some of the rest of the UK. I don't know, I still disagree with that because I think that it's the first-past-the-post system that makes that the case. I think that if we had a proportionally representative system in the UK that we probably would see that the Tories were never voted into a majority again. Okay, yeah, now you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> so on the, the, the point, though, that you made about it being not great that people kind of detach themselves from the parliamentary and electoral system by thinking that their vote doesn't really count for anything I think you're right it can definitely feel despairing or make people feel despondent when what they vote for just doesn't happen whether it's Brexit whether it's SNP and and government whether it's any of the issues that we, we've seen that Scotland has voted for where other parts of the, the UK voted against and that's not necessarily just on a electoral level but a parliamentary level as you kind of just said with some of the different schemes where Scotland does take a different stance from the UK especially I think of the um, gender recognition reform that was passed just before Christmas there and the conflict that's still going on around that, there's there's definitely differences that exist there. And that's why I think that engaging in local politics is so important because it can inspire hope. And it's only really hope that can help us to continue to take the actions necessary to make real change. Absolutely. I think a lot of um, Scottish politics, rightly or wrongly, is hinged on hope a lot of the time and that's as i said not necessarily a good or a bad thing but when it comes to fostering real change for communities hope in itself is not enough it has to be followed up with action and that's often individuals in communities making those changes and making those issues known even for the example you used earlier psychopaths can be a contentious issue perhaps those with vehicles um, and no bicycles may not be as thrilled with the concept of psychopaths being built in but i think there is a recognition for what benefits community and a lot of what once you get past the grumbles of the this is a mild inconvenience for me as an individual recognizing that people will be heartier healthier and safer and it's particularly that safety element that really warrants change fostering also a mutual respect for the issues that are being discussed is as important as 
the actions of the individuals just having that space to discuss with respect um, because I think a lot of the time particularly um, as most of us find ourselves relegated to the internet to discuss politics mostly there is a, a distinct lack of uh, decorum perhaps at certain points I hope irrelevant of our views this will be a place where certainly we represent a viewpoint but others will be included within the, the conversation that we're having. Definitely. I'm really excited about some of the interviews that we're going to be having over the next couple of days and I think that will be good to begin to see some of them come out and I don't know if there's anything else you want to add before we wrap up today. Any closing thoughts? I'm just similarly excited to get started. We have a lot of interesting guests lined up already who've been doing really good work. We have a number of books to read and discuss. I know my bookshelf is groaning under the weight of various different topics that I can't wait to get into and really find my place within those as well. Very good. I think that's we can call that a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To stay up to date with podcast releases, book recommendations and more, sign up to our newsletter at everydayrevolutions.co.uk. Follow us on Instagram at everydayrevolutionsglasgow. Twitter at revolutionsgla. Or TikTok at everydayrevolutions. 